You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we are buzzing into Chapter 59 on our quest to create the perfect Native Plant Podcast. Do you mean we haven't already done that? Uh, no, I think we're a long <laughs> way away. <laughs> but we're trying, and that's, try- that's, that's a, a step, right? We're, we're constantly <laughs> adapting. You know, if, if you go back and listen to the first, like, five that we did, it's, it's a huge difference at least we think it's a lot better yeah that's true i i think so but you know but as part of the expansion i know a few episodes ago i don't remember which one we talked about all the social media and you're like we're on everything but tiktok oh yeah yeah so you have an update for that yeah we are now now on tiktok (laughs) for all you you youngsters out there uh i'm i'm not on tiktok but which uh, i find hysterical you know, tom was saying today that he's still he's like i don't i don't know if i really get it and i'm like welcome to being an adult <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but no we did we did start a um like a pinelands nursery tiktok account and so if you are on tiktok just look up pinelands nursery i don't know i don't even know what you how you do that but uh no, i don't really know either we're trying to be stay hip with the trends and play the funky music and <laughs> do play all the that. funky music that's that's about as un that yeah. just sounded so unhip just like <laughs> we're trying to reach out to all the kids and be fresh yeah yeah but uh no we are <laughs> because it is a definitely younger demographic it is um although you do have a, a tiktok account friend so. i do i don't use it often actually i think i told you i i just opened it up and realized i hadn't opened it in about three months because i use it for uh, a project that agatha and i do and we haven't worked on that project for three we've just been so busy yeah you know it's it's kind of crazy we had spring here and I know just my last two in my last two weeks, my oldest son Darian turned twenty one. My youngest son Cole mm-hmm. graduated from high school, and I listed my house on the market. So yeah. there's just like a lot. It's been and it's been spring. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's been chaos. But yeah, going going back to our TikTok, it's um like I said, I thought it was a valuable media outlet, but I don't understand it. I'm I find it kind of annoying <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but I know a lot of people like it, and I had some ideas of ways that we could like really put a lot of native plant information out there yeah and um and so my wife did it and yeah. she's been sending me stuff i'm like this is exactly and, what i wanted to happen but she's great at it yeah she's 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 great at it so what she's already done yeah. is i'm like yeah this yeah. is we're getting a lot of likes um we have one follower <laughs> but it's not someone we knew and uh so we're hoping to actually collaborate with other tiktokers out there All right. I, i'm saying we're she is is trying to collaborate with some other we're hip TikTokers and we're out cool. there. so there's there is another page who's i i know he's listened before but a guy um who his handle is uh native plant talk oh so uh wow I'm, i know she's trying to link up with him and there's a thing called stitching i like i said i, I don't know I, any I don't know. of this but she's trying to stitch uh stitch a video or have him stitch her video i don't know what's going on yeah. but no it's it's a market and as we said we want to make the circle bigger i'm not the one to to do it to I'm a younger audience in that fashion but that's a huge market that's that's very popular with like and probably we, 18 to, to 25 year olds we need them on board yeah so. if we can spread the message there yeah. now i have to a confession to make i actually have two tiktok accounts oh gosh <laughs> the other one is under the name of agatha's dog and it's a dog tiktok so yeah. that one's actually wildly way more popular than, i would imagine yeah yeah, yeah. So. dogs versus fran dogs are yeah gonna win. oh so cats I, versus fran i don't know that's a kind of a toss-up <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite viral video is a cat video oh, and it's the cat versus the printer that's <laughs> yeah, there you go that is, that's, that's an old one too. that's an old one but that's but, that's one of my favorites but moving on another quick update is uh we mentioned we have uh t-shirts yes online for uh, some of them well i guess they all say native plants healthy planet in some fashion usually yes. it's on the back kind of under the collar we didn't want it to be like a huge logo but there are some that have it on the front and it's a little bit bigger yeah. but we wanted to be able to spread that native uh plant message and uh so i decided i was going to become uh, mugatu and <laughs> design a whole t-shirt line and yeah. we've sold 23 t-shirts which 
without really promoting it. Yeah, yet. With, yeah. We, I put it up in our Facebook group, yeah. and um, North Creek Nurseries actually shared it because they listen to the podcast yeah. and they shared it on their Facebook. I'm like, oh, I haven't put it up on our Facebook page or our Instagram page yet. Yeah. So um, that I will post it eventually. But so far, we've actually sold 23 T-shirts. That's fantastic. Which uh, is more than I thought we'd sell in this quickly, but still, there's there. I think yeah. we could sell a lot more. Yeah. Uh, but the great part about that is those 23 t-shirts have generated uh, $198.04 that will be donated to some of these nonprofit organizations awesome. that are doing great work for pollinators, native habitats, native plants. Yeah. Um, that money is, we're not taking any of it. It's yeah. all going to them. So, And some of the shirts that, that, you, that you can purchase will tell you directly which organization. It's helping some aren't, correct? So, yeah, but, some but, are just kind of general. Like the one that says plant native plants, the one with our logo, we're going to kind of we were saying after we we make so much not make so, yeah. or earn so much for it like in increments we'll start picking organizations to make that donation exactly, to exactly yeah. exactly and there's more to come like my favorite design that Tom came up with we haven't released yet so what's there isn't yeah, there's, there's going to be special ones there's more there's some special releases we actually just did one that I haven't shared yet but um it is on the the website uh that is everything is going to New Jersey Audubon and it says uh it's got a picture of a bird on a branch on the top and says native plants are for the birds, which some people may think is an insult, but it's actually a really good thing. Native plants yeah. are for the birds. So that's what we're trying yeah. to, that's a little play on words. Yes. That's, uh, but all the, like I said, all the money for that shirt, if anyone buys that shirt, that money is going directly to New Jersey Audubon, which is yeah. one of our favorite organizations. Yeah. We've had John Park on the podcast before. Yeah. We're going to have more folks from them on in the future. Um, so we, yeah. you know, and we're not, again, we're not touching any of this money. Whatever money comes in is going mm -hmm. right out to these wonderful organizations. So, and you're, you're spreading a good message too. I mean, they're shirts that we feel are kind of universal. They're not in a style that maybe, I, I don't know, that, that only speaks to certain people. I think it's yeah. kind of a universal yeah. style. Anyone can pull it off mm -hmm. and, and there's enough, uh, diversity there that, you 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 should be able to find something. Yep, exactly. And you can find those shirts uh, by going to our nativeplantshealthyplant.com website. And there's a banner across the top that says T-shirt store or something of that sort. Click on that link; it'll take you to that that separate page where you can see yeah. all the designs. And there's all kinds of colors you can yeah. pick from. And and the pricing yeah. is reasonable. So it's yeah. And there's there's enough diversity that ever. And I'm giving you my. We just talked about my order, mm -hmm. so yeah, uh, I'll exactly. be giving you my yeah. order uh, after after the show, so we can. So I can get some. I want to start wearing them on, on the podcast. Exactly. On the, on the exactly. Zoom meetings. Yeah, so we've got, we've slipped. I got to represent. <laughs> not and having the, them on yet. And there's also but. a mug coming also. Yes. That yeah. that's designed, but it's um, it will be on there. Yes, it'll be up shortly. We'll actually have a couple different mugs, and yeah. I've, I'm actually designing a pair of yoga pants for Fran. So he's <laughs> that's a special order. That's not going to be available to the general public. But um, moving on, yes. we do have a pollinator central it is it's the end of pollinator week as it people are listening we're rolling into the last couple of days even though we said before every day is pollinator day or week when uh yes. when you're in the native plant sphere but um we're wrapping up pollinator week so we have like a pollinator semi-centric episode coming your way um so let's get into it starting with that's hot that's hot you want to go first or you yeah, want me to go sure. first okay so my plant this week is just started to bloom in the last probably week and a half and that is common milkweed and uh Ooh, this is the nice, bane of many farmers yeah. the farmers do not like this plant and um and it's probably one of the reasons that there is such things as roundup ready corn and roundup ready soybeans and those kind of things because yeah. milkweed or common milkweed in particular can grow in so many drier environments and um and just pops up in farm fields yeah. it grows in early successional kind of environments um you know, it's it's funny you say that because I was I was taking a walk the other day and and right down the street from me there's there's a, a, a few mm. farm fields yeah. and all along the edge of the crops in the farm field were all common milkweed. Yes, yeah, and along the edges you'll still find them in a lot of farm yeah. fields. They come up pretty easy. They need the seeds need cold and moist stratification yeah. for like thirty to sixty days, um, but with now with all these Roundup sprays they'll go through and everything that would have used to been in the middle of the field and kind of coming up between the corn or the soybeans, that's not there anymore because the sprayers get it. Yeah. On the edges, you'll still find it, yeah. but that's one of the things that they kind of link to the decline in monarch butterflies, monarch caterpillars, um, 
need the milkweed to survive not just common milkweed but a variety of species of milkweed and they used to be plethora of milkweed along these farm fields because yeah. it was just growing everywhere and now when it's only around the periphery if it's even there well you've lost a lot of milkweed there's a lot less places for these monarch butterflies while they're passing through to lay their eggs for the next generation of butterflies to continue the migration and uh so yeah that's one of the reasons we have way less monarch butterflies is overall habitat destruction but specifically to them their habitat was kind of coincided with a lot of agriculture and yeah. now it doesn't yeah. so yeah. yeah and that's yeah. why we have marcus gray and sustainable monarch and formerly yeah. monarchs in the rough yeah. well i guess they're still a thing but he's no longer with them yeah. but um yeah it's a, a, that's great, a great plant gr- grows in drier environments only gets like three feet tall um if you got a really good one maybe it'll reach four feet <laughs> yeah. i it's one of, i don't want to say it's my favorite milkweed because it's probably not but i like it better than swamp milkweed the Asclepius incarnata which a lot of people are the other way i like just the flower structure how it's like kind of orb look yeah of common milkweed versus the the flatter slightly rounded swamp milkweed even though swamp milkweed i would say is a better color and and butterfly weed is I would a agree. really crazy butterfly color, milkweed but, is by far my favorite that's that's but, my uh, favorite i like the flower shape of of um of common milkweed better than the other two you know i like the the leaf structure better on yes, the yeah. on the uh swamp milkweed so, oh then common yeah, yeah. then common okay. i like yeah I, I you know i i don't know i visually the plant is more striking to yeah. me well you don't, you uh, don't get to chime in here friend this is my plant uh, <laughs> why, why don't we focus on your, <laughs> your plant? uh so mine is you know it's i i mentioned to you today like they're all starting to blend together to me because mm-hmm. my plant i had to ask you if we've used it before because i know we've talked about it but I, I wasn't sure. So my plant is uh, New Jersey tea, which is mm-hmm. Ceanothus americanus. For us here, it just finished blooming. But I know a lot of people are posting pictures that it's in bloom on their yeah, property. Yeah. So I know it's it's still maybe still in bloom or, or mm-hmm. just finishing. But it is an upland, uh, small and compact, maybe two to four foot, uh, likes well-drained soil. It is a nitrogen fixer. Mm-hmm. So it does uh, put nitrogen into the soil, kind of like uh, legumes. Uh, do or like uh, all nasturtiums a nitrogen fixer, um, robinia, those types of things. Uh, but it does have a lot of uses. Spring and summer, uh, azores like uh, like to use the blooms. The leaves, which have a wintergreen scent, uh, have been used for tea, hence New Jersey tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can also use the root and flower extracts to make dye. And turkey and quail eat the seed, so Very it cool. has a lot of lot of purposes not an easy plant to find though no no definitely it's not, not an easy plant to grow and it's not an easy mm-hmm. plant to and find. i always liked and maybe it's just the ones i've seen but they tend to just naturally be somewhat round yeah and which is yeah. not something you see uh, occur naturally a lot of times when you see round or square bushes they don't grow like that they're pruned and they're they're shaped to be yeah. look look that uh that boxy or, or round shape but this one naturally kind of is round <laughs> So. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Our crop just became ready for sale, mm-hmm. and I had someone buy just about the entire crop for a project. And I'm like, where are you putting that many New Jersey tea on one project? Like, I can't imagine, because it's not something you typically see, like, in large masses. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was interesting, yeah. the amount yeah. that they're using for one project. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd like to see that after the yeah. fact. Yeah, very so, cool. Yeah, so that's it. That's pretty simple. And, like, now we have a plethora of things to choose from. So we'll try and give, like, little maybe monthly updates of all the things that are blooming in this time of year. Because yeah. there's just a gluttony of things that we can choose from, and we have to limit it to, to one, one. Each. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I kind of like the last buzz where we, we went through everything that was hot at the time. Mm-hmm. It was nice to kind of highlight everything. And, and we've been doing social media posts with what's hot this week. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. what's what's blooming this week. So uh, I'm sure we'll do that And now, well. they'll, yeah, there'll be TikTok posts on, uh, there you go. on uh, <laughs> what's blooming each week. So. I'll follow. You know what? I'll I'll follow. Yeah. So so let's uh, move on to this week's edition of our botany based current events. And of course, as always, it's a competition. Fran and I don't want to be the loser. No. So let's move along to this or that. You can give with this, or you can give with that. So we do have a winner because there has to be a winner, and the winner of uh, this week's this or that. Tom, two weeks in a row. Two in a and, row, and yeah. It, was a, uh, it wasn't close. It was 13 to 6, so you you handily beat me on that one. So. And I'm I'm very glad. I You had a very interesting article about those salt marshes and accumulating pla- plastics. And the listener that I talked to mm-hmm. um, this past week, he loved that article. 
Okay. He's like, this is something I'm going to look for now. He's a restoration ecologist. He's out in okay. the field a lot. And he said, I, I didn't even thought about looking at that. I'm in salt marshes all the time. I'm going to start looking for those kind of things. I hadn't so. thought of it either. And I think it's a really interesting way to gauge just, you know, like tree rings. Like it tells a story. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a story that has been missing and we didn't realize there was a way to trace it back. Yeah. And and I, I thought it was interesting. Not as many people felt yeah. it was yeah. as interesting. Yeah, but. it wasn't enough to, to beat my great article of the eight generations of native seed cultivation and uh, and how it relates to plant fitness, which was still a, a super that's interesting a, article. That's a great article. And I <laughs> hope they do so much more research in that because that was a fascinating start to, um, and I'm interested where it would go from there. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I would like to see where that goes to. So anyway, with the win, congratulations. And you get to pick if you want to go first. I, or you I to tend to like it when you go first. All right. Yeah. All right. I, I think I like going first rather than last. The pressure's on me when I yeah. go last. But uh, so my article this week um, is from uh, fizz.org, uh, and it, it's by Cambridge University Press, and it's scientists recommend proactive response to invasive plants, which, you know, we talk about invasive plants a lot. Mm-hmm. So I thought it, 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 it piqued my interest. The article now itself wasn't as exciting as I ex- – like I was expecting more out of it, but what they're proposing and what they're figuring out is a great building block that I think a lot of people struggle with because it can be so overwhelming. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I always highlight a few paragraphs that I think best represent the article, so I'm going to read those through. Um, Many invasive plants are expanding their growing range in response to climate change. And that's one thing that we really hadn't discussed mm-hmm. as far as – you know, for us locally, we have an issue with greenbrier. Now, technically, that's a native, so it's it's not considered invasive, but it's a problem for us – here yeah, it's, oh, it's taking yeah, over really my take over. native my native wood so uh, and i really hadn't thought about climate change for that but um so because of that it's making early detection and rapid response more critical than ever limited resources though can make it impossible to track and manage every range shifting species to help invasive species managers bring focus to their efforts a team from the university of massachusetts suggests prioritizing potential invaders based on the threat they represent um, in a research project featured in the Journal of Invasive Plant Science and Management. Did you know there's a journal called that? Invasive? I did not. I no. did not. <laughs> so uh, the team explored data on 87 plant species that are projected to shift into northern New England as the climate uh, in the region changes. Using a widely accepted rating protocol, they evaluated and scored each species for its potential to cause harm. Uh, the team found that 22 of the invaders were known to threaten native species common in New England. 16 of those were also known to have a negative impact on agriculture, human health, and the economy. Almost all were found to be readily available for purchase by home gardeners, of course, um, a factor that could accelerate their introduction. Because these high-risk species are not yet widespread across the Northeast, state and local regulators have the unique opportunity to prohibit their introduction and to establish proactive best practices for monitoring and management. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting way to prioritize uh, invasive plants because it can be overwhelming, especially if you're dealing with multiple things in an area. At least a way to rate, all right, this is going to cause, cause the most harm. Mm-hmm. I should start here, try to eradicate this first, you know, as opposed to this, which maybe poses the least threat. Yeah, Because um, yeah, yeah. it is overwhelming, and we we still get – even though we focused on it on – numerous podcasts and we're going to do more podcasts about it Mm -hmm. we still get questions and and it's questions i don't think a lot of people really know the answers to (laughs) you know we're still trying to figure it out but if there's a way to at least prioritize your efforts so you're maximizing what you're doing i'm i'm happy that there's some science behind it to help Mm -hmm. help with that moving forward yeah and it's interesting like uh, uh, Mike Van Cleef, Dr. Mike Van Cleef, yeah. when he was on from uh, from Friends of Hopeful Valley Open Space and the New Jersey Invasive Strike Team, he was saying they were really keyed in on the stuff that wasn't um, like a well-known invasive plant. Yeah. A lot of times the well-known stuff has already kind of gone crazy. Yeah. There was no way to get rid of it all. But if they could key in on this really new stuff, uh, and that's one of the things I should take, I should take a picture. It's still blooming. But um, there's a plant that popped up near our irrigation pond that is really cool looking and but when you look at it you're like there's no way that's native no i know is it right by the seed house (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and everyone's like oh have you seen that plant have you seen that plant and i'm like well 
yeah, it's cool and it's a traditional garden plant. But how did it get here? They're delphiniums, and, I believe. Um, right? oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I, they're I delphiniums. Know. Yeah. So, but they just popped up in the middle of our our native pond planting. Yes. Like yeah. along the the banks of our pond and out of nowhere. Yeah. Also, Iris pseudocaris popped up there too. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. things are starting to. You know, and there's none close by that they should be popping up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's making – but the delphinium I really found interesting Yeah, that it, <laughs> it ended up there because yeah. you're going – even if someone had them planted at their house, it's a pretty huge distance. Oh, yeah. The, the closest house to that spot would be mine, which is probably at least 500 yards or more. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have them in my house. There's other houses that are right there, so yeah. maybe they have them, but – um, the other thing it reminded me of is there's a an article I read from um, from 2016 that was called uh, uh, a big picture view of the invasive plant problem and it actually the the highlight of the article is this map they show and it really shows how invasive plants have affected the entire country and where there's the highest um, instances of native invasion or native um, what am I trying to say? Invasions in native plant communities. And yeah. the northeast is a hot zone. The southeast is a, a major hot zone right along the App, uh, Appalachian Mountains. Or oh, Appal- wow. Appalachian Mountains, excuse me. Um, and that's a, a real hot zone. And they didn't have a lot of research done for, like, the, the middle of the country, it seemed like. Yeah. But the west coast, east coast, east coast had way more invasive species than the west coast. We talked about Hawaii being mostly invasive yeah. species. There was... Yeah. Uh, like 70% of the the plots they research had invasive species there where Alaska has, was the state with the lowest percentage and it had 6 wow. 6% of of wow. their plots had they found invasive species. Wow. One thing so, I'm really proud of on the nursery and I don't even know if you remember this but the the plot down by the the Spartina field mm-hmm. that yep. that we bought back and and naturalized mm-hmm. that was almost all lithrum. Hmm, really. Uh and I know we were doing uh beneficial insects to mm-hmm. try to prevent it and it was kind of creeping into the pond which is just right across the roadway from it there's really no lithrum left down there we did a really good job of eradicating that it was an issue and that would have just posed a bigger issue on other properties around it yeah, and I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so happy that we were able to control that because it was on the verge of becoming out of control yeah. yeah so it's one of those things where we prioritize that one we were able to focus on that now we have some other things mm-hmm. delphiniums really aren't invasive but you know the iris the iris is definitely mm-hmm. uh an issue so yeah and uh, there's a bunch of uh um uh honeysuckle that's yeah. worked its way in that area that i they did a, a they trimmed some stuff back and all of a sudden the honeysuckle just blew up yeah. and uh and it's something we've even talked about before is if you're gonna when we talked with dan duran one of the major focuses if you're gonna do any kind of of uh thinning of your forest is you got to do invasive plant removal first yeah because if you just thin it, all oh, invasive plants are going to blow up. You have to do a lot of invasive control yeah. before you think about anything else. Same same things happen in my garden at home. Yeah. And <laughs> have a plant. So much, yeah. so many bad plants in there. You have to have a plant. You yep. can't just go in blindly. Like we we know, without a plan, mm-hmm. the other things already have a plan to oh, take yeah. over. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so so without a plan, it's you're, you're really behind the eight ball. Another thing, and this is just kind of thinking out loud for a future episode, is we need to do one on um, what the differences in between. Uh, invasive plants, or we should really break down invasive plants, non-native plants, native plants, and then native aggressive, aggressive plants. plants yeah. Because I see the word invasive misused so much yeah. uh, in a lot of these like gardening groups where it's like, oh, that, well, it's Virginia creeper is a yeah. very aggressive plant, it's aggressive, especially in but sunlight. It's not. It's a native, but it's a native it's plant, not. so it's supposed to be here. So while it's aggressive, it's not invading that space. See, the one thing I'm yeah. not sure of, like we've talked about it, like. Our smooth cord grass, which is our bay grass to the east coast, is extremely aggressive on the west coast. Mm-hmm. So it's not native there. So it can be. Yeah, it that's can where be it gets invasive. Into the yeah, I'm not and sure. That's why we got to do our research. Yeah, but like I'm not sure because that's a pretty great distance. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, so technically, it's not native there. It's never going to be found there, even though mm-hmm. it's native to the United States. It's not native to the west coast, and technically. That will outcompete its native bay grass oh, yeah. to the west coast. Yep. So, but yeah, I, I the, don't know that answer. <laughs> I was tired of seeing all the the. Oh yeah, I have Japanese barbarian. It's not invasive at all because they're looking at it not spreading in their garden yeah. and not realizing oh the birds are eating the berries and pooping them yeah. out elsewhere. And then you have Japanese barbarian all over them. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it's just people tend to look at it from a a 
their small perspective, not the overarching view of, of how things work. So I do want to do an episode on that in the future. Awesome. And, uh, awesome. But I'm, I'm putting it in, um, I guess, not written form. Some a hard copy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. I'm saying. So now we got to go back and do it because I right. said it. Okay. There well, you go. Well, at least it's documented. We'll remember oh, yeah. now when, if, yes. if we ever listen through yeah, yeah. <laughs> through this. All right. But, so uh, that's that's all I got. That's me. Yeah. So my article was out of the New York Times, and okay. uh, it was an opinion piece, but still, I think it had a lot of value. Um, and it was called For the Butterflies and the Rest of Us, and it okay. was by Margaret Renkel. And um, it was just published on the 21st, two days ago. Oh, so it's right. very, very current. Uh, start a pollinator week and she starts the article by saying how uh, her husband had gotten her one of the awesome really awesome Xerxes Society pollinator uh, friendly area signs okay. for her garden and um, and had a little QR code on it so people could see it and now they understand oh this is pollinator friendly habitat yeah. take a picture or scan the QR code and it'll bring them to a website that tells them all about yeah. or gives them more information about how to do that themselves and um, uh so I also had a couple excerpts from her article that I wanted to read. And it was, National Pollinator Week begins on June 21st, which is the, also the first full day of summer, a season we associate with bees and butterflies. What better time to launch an awareness campaign for the insects that we're directly responsible for food and flowers? Uh, and next passage was, in some ways, it's odd that we need an awareness campaign at all. Young children are invariably enchanted by insects, especially brightly colored insects that float through the air as if made by air itself as if painted by fairies and set free on the wind to make wishes come true, which is a, a very elaborate <laughs> sentence. That is. Sentence. Um, buff, <laughs> I can't even say that word. Uh, buff why is one of the first words all three of her babies learned to say. Uh, none of them can t- but today none of them can tell the difference between a tiger swallowtail and a zebra swallowtail, a monarch, and a gulf fritillary. So, um, which is one of the things we've mentioned briefly before is plant blindness, but I think probably even more or it's probably less of a thing but there's still a lot of it is is insect blindness where people see oh that's a bug it's bad um they don't they can't differentiate between not just what's good and bad but also the differences between all the good stuff and the differences that are there so um she continued and said unfortunately my pollinator habitat sign from the xerxes society is not is not the only new sign in the neighborhood once warm weather arrived, many of my neighbors' lawns began to sprout signs advertising a local mosquito killing company uh, that said, "Try our nat- all-natural botanical." <laughs> uh, the yard signs urge, um, as though natural poisons are not actually poisonous. <laughs> Which, wow. That's uh, an wow. important thing that another one of our listeners, uh, Rick McCoy from McCoy Horticulture, had pointed out in our Facebook group, yeah. saying, "Just because it says organic doesn't mean it's not yeah. uh, dangerous in any way." So. Um, and then the last thing that she she had, well, two last things that she'd written was, but if you ask someone from with a mosquito company sign in their yard why they're killing all their lightning bugs, why they're killing all their bumblebees and butterflies, they'll look at you blankly. They don't realize that they're killing every invertebrate in the yard and starving out all the animals, birds, and amphibians, and reptiles, and many of the mammals as well, uh, who depend on that in, those insects for food. They never gave it any thought. Yeah. And then she explains how a lot of these organizations, the organizations we're having on our podcast are thinking about that. Yeah. We're thinking about yeah. it, Fran and I, and uh, all you of a home are thinking about that, and that's why we've kind of engaged on this mission to to spread this message. Yeah. So the last thing she wrote was, as the Xerxes Society's Bringing Back the Pollinators Initiative points out, creating a pollinator-friendly habitat doesn't just mean only, or planting only flowers. Like virtually every other creature, pollinators need food, water, shelter, and a nursery for their young. So yeah. you have to have the complete picture. Benjamin Voke says it best, you can't call it a pollinator planting unless you support the entire life cycle of those pollinators. Yeah, you need the things for the caterpillars. You need the things for, for the entire life cycle, not just flowers for the butterflies to yeah, feed off of. It, it always seems to focus on the food, yep. um, and it's more than food. You need the habitat. So you're, you're creating pollinator habitat, and that's yeah. the, the mm-hmm. best word. And, and that's habitat, food source. You need all of those things. Otherwise, it's still not not completing the whole life cycle yep exactly so great article great yeah. article so as always you guys can find these articles we put them up in our facebook group and yep. they're on the website they as are well, on the right? website as well so, so take a take a read and uh and then <clears throat> listen to our synopsis of these things and then go on to our facebook group you got to be a member of the facebook group and vote because we have a lot riding on this it's a it's about our pride you do so. i like i know tom's won two in a row 
I, I may not remember what the articles are. Yeah. But I know he's beat me twice, and I do not want to lose three in a row. Yeah, and, and when one of us wins, it's like it really it affects how we choose our next articles. And it, sometimes we'll you, you we'll know, make sure I'm going for the three peat here. So. I, yeah, you know, I did have a three peat before you, and for bragging That's rights, true. I want to prevent you from having the three peat. So <laughs> so we stop, like we keep evening out. Like I think our listeners. I think some of the listener votes based like, well, I voted for Tom last week. I'm going to vote for oh, Fran this week. That definitely happens. happens. <laughs> we're we're on to those, uh, <laughs> those handful of people. <laughs> so make sure uh, we're, we're going to post the, the poll in the Facebook group, uh, hopefully by Friday afternoon. And then. And of course, the choice is yours. So I'm thinking um, you want to do listener shout outs? Yeah, now? let's do it. All right. Go ahead, friend. All right. So I wanted to point out um, it's it's actually a married couple, Alyssa and Adam Lewis. So um, Alyssa is very active in our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. A lot of really great posts, what, what she's using in her garden for food, what she's using in her garden for tea. Mm-hmm. She spearheaded this week uh, posting her, uh, a pollinator from her garden every every day. Like what's – you know, yeah. pollinator spotlight for pollinator week so everyone could join the post. I don't know if you know this, but her husband Adam is very active on Twitter. He's not yep. in the Facebook yep. group, but he's very active on Twitter and responds a lot to uh, most of our messages, has a lot of great points. He actually brought up about pollinator habitat mm-hmm. uh, just this week. Um so between the two of them on all the social media, they're very active and very important part of our community, um, and they have been. And it's always a very positive message. Oh, so yeah. So it's a very, yeah, very positive message. So uh, they they very much deserve the shout-out because they're a big part of our community. Yeah. No, they're they're awesome to see what they keep doing. They kind of keep that ball rolling. When, when Fran and I get a little busy and we aren't posting as much, well, we know that. Alyssa's there in the group, and she's posting everything. And we know Adam's on Twitter, and he yeah. tends to be retweeting everything, so, yeah. which is awesome for us. So we we appreciate the help. We appreciate the help. So what do you who do you have this? So week? I we it's actually one of our customers who okay. came in this week, and uh, and he's probably listening to this. I don't know if it's the day it came out, but maybe it'll be a couple days later, and we hope to see him again soon. Yeah. And that's uh, Blaine Rothhauser, and he okay. was telling me his favorite things about the podcast. Okay. So Blaine, I just want to give you a quick rundown, and I want to tell you that. Uh, my favorite cheesesteak is from is from Jim's on South Street, and my favorite oh. pizza is uh, is more of a slice, but it's um, I like uh, uh, the prosciutto and uh, fig pizza from uh, Osteria in Crosswicks, which is really right. good. If that was actually where I went right. with my wife on our first oh, date, that's right. And um, but probably my favorite pizza place is uh, man, that's tough. It's either Tacanelli's down in in. Um, uh, South Jersey or uh, oh, there's Brico. That's the Brico. one. Brico is Brico in Westmont. All right, so my my rundown really quick. <laughs> my favorite cheesesteak. I just have a brand new favorite cheesesteak. As of I finally got to try one I hadn't tried. Uh, you know, I I gotta say it's a new runner up. Donkeys is still my favorite, but Angelo's in South Philly, incredible cheesesteak. I I really recommend if you're in South Philly. Favorite pizza? I'd say Papa's. Papa's is still oh, my favorite in, good, in, yeah. in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Their tomato pie still hands down my. my and I'm favorite. just teasing Blaine because he came in. He's like, I don't care about your favorite pizza. Tell me more about the plants. But uh, so, so, we just want to have a little fun with him. There you so. go. Uh, we we and we always appreciate the kind words from everyone. So oh yeah, he uh, he came in and he was just telling us how much he learns, and he's someone I learn a lot from. And for him to come in and say that he's learning. I guess somewhat from us, but I guess more probably our listeners. He's, lear- our, he's our learning listener, along with he, us. He's learning along with but, us. But uh, no, he's he's like a, a master in this realm, and to have him and be so complimentary about what we're doing was was really really right. nice to hear. That's very very nice. So, uh, so I think we should probably get to questions. What yeah, do you think? we're oh, actually yeah. moving along really good. I was just looking at the time. I was like, we may actually keep this on the the shorter side. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? So for the first time in many, many episodes, we do not have a phone message from Saul. And I could not be more excited. You've probably heard the excitement of my voice this, in, this, uh, this entire episode. And uh, 
that is the reason why. I'm wondering <laughs> if he's okay because he, he's always getting hurt. So I'm wondering yeah. if this might have been the one. This <laughs> might have been the one. So we may we may yeah. need to check in on him to make sure he's okay because we didn't hear from him. I'm a little shocked, but we did get a very very wonderful phone call from one of our listeners, and it's mm-hmm. it's also one of our customers and and uh, colleague that, mm-hmm. that we work with, and I, I I'm excited to share this phone call. Hi, Fran and Tom. Um, this is Michelle Backus from Rutgers Cooperative Extension, and I love your your podcast. Um, I listen to it with my two boys. They love hearing about the adventures of Saul, and I like to listen to the episodes of The Buzz, especially like when when Fran is is kvetching about you know whatever it is that he's he's catching about, but I'm calling. I hope it's okay. I'm calling with a comment. Um, I just wanted to put in a little plug for a cooperative extension because there were two episodes um, of The Buzz where there was one episode where you guys were talking about how you don't always have time to answer people's questions and people sometimes want free information. And uh, um, there was another episode where Tom was talking about how he sometimes has to make recommendations on turf grass for different regions. Well, this is what Cooperative Extension does best. We we provide free science-based information to the public, and we are part of a national network of land-grant universities um, that has Cooperative Extension. So if your listeners um, in, you know, if they're listening from Connecticut, it's um, Connecticut Cooperative Extension. If it's Pennsylvania, it's Penn State. Cooperative Extension, if it's Florida, you know, there's University of Florida Cooperative Extension, and in New Jersey, it's Rutgers Cooperative Extension. Every county in the state has a Rutgers Cooperative Extension office, and folks can call us and ask questions. A lot of times I'm getting uh, questions about native plants and habitat conservation and how people can reduce pesticide use on their landscape. And often I'm telling them, well, you guys have to listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. Anyway, I hope it's okay that I called with, with that little little plug. And you guys are the best. Keep up the good work. Bye. I thought that was a great phone call. Yeah, no, that's a perfect example of really if you have a question you don't even have to call cooperative extension just go on their websites yeah if you if you go on their websites they have a lot of this information out there like how to make rain gardens pollinated habitat stuff a lot of it's out there at the rutgers i don't know if it's cooperative extension it may be the water resource their rain garden manual that they put mm-hmm. together is top notch oh, yeah. and i actually i actually did a talk with michelle we we were partners for a rain garden mm-hmm. talk for rutgers at one point it's probably like 10 years ago but uh all the agents that we've dealt with have been fantastic mm-hmm. and are very knowledgeable, and they're there for you. That's what that's what they get paid to do. So I, Michelle brings up a great point. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of the cooperative extensions actually follow follow us on social media too mm-hmm. and reshare. I know Penn State Cooperative Extension shares oh, yeah. uh, a lot, mm-hmm. uh, Gloucester County. A lot of them uh, are are happy to help spread the message and 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 help. So mm-hmm. please use them as a resource. They're they're one of the tools in your toolbox, and yeah. we sometimes we we overlook it. So but exactly, and really, as a nursery, we couldn't do what we do without cooperative. I, extension. I, I got agree. to talk to some cooperative extension agents last night on the nursery side of things, saying, "Hey, we're having this insect problem with uh, this invasive insect. What are we? What are some ideas? Oh, we had this kind of problem. What are some of your ideas? We send our uh, every time we have a, a disease issue on a plant and we can't figure it out, well, we box it up or we drive it up to Rutgers Diagnostics Lab, which is part of Cooperative Extension, and they tell us what they found wrong. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, they are literally experts in in these smaller areas of the field, and um, and really we could not do what we're doing as a nursery without Cooperative Extension. And at home, you, you get yeah. the same resources. They are there to help you as a as a homeowner, as a business owner. Um, that's their job. And yeah. in some parts of the country, they aren't, I would say they aren't quite as progressive as we're really lucky in New Jersey because yeah. they're getting really into pollinators, into native plants. Um, and that's a, a priority in a lot of these air in our area of the country. I'm sure in other areas of the country, that's not a priority because they're also there to support agriculture and they're looking into, uh, what's the best way to have the best grain crop or, or corn crop, or what's the best way to raise cattle. Those yeah. are other services they provide. There's yeah. not 
the whole thing isn't geared to homeowners. It's geared to it, and, uh, and, citizens in all realms. But it's more geared to the 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 area, your demographics. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, there's there's obviously places where that's I don't want to say more important, but a bigger part of that community. Exactly, yeah. So um, you know, but there's one for each county, which makes sense. So mm-hmm. it's it's more directed towards where you're at, and and they're a little more knowledgeable on that that condition. So. Yeah. Please, you know, Michelle, thank you so much for calling in and reminding us of that. That's uh, That was a great phone call. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, so, and that's the only phone call this week. It was one great phone call. Yeah, perfect. That, like that, I said, it could that segment couldn't have gone better. So, <laughs> so I, you know, you know, speaking of which, and I know I'm kind of going out of order a little bit. Michelle was saying she loves to hear when I'm complaining. I, I don't have a complaint this week. Yeah, but you got to hit the button because I have a complaint this week. <laughs> wow, we're so, switching roles. Yeah, yeah. So um, we – and it's not – I shouldn't say it's a complaint. It's not – it's a – maybe it's a backhanded compliment. I don't, I don't really right. know how to okay. describe it. But my wife and I, with our son, uh, went to the Philadelphia Flower Show a couple weeks ago. Okay. And it really was awesome. It was I'd never been to the Philadelphia Flower Show before, and now it was outdoors for the first time, and, and it, it was, was a, really incredible. And it was a more natural theme this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, the theme was habitat. Yeah. And uh, so, as you can probably infer, there was a lot of things related to habitat, like native plants that yeah. were featured. Um, me, being from a native plant nursery that special, or strictly works with, with straight species native plants, I didn't think there was enough native plants. I thought they needed to be way, way more. And, uh, yeah, you'd walk by some displays, and they were beautiful. And I guess that's part of the focus of it is, yeah. is, is the beauty behind it. But there was some displays that I'm like, oh, I wish you just used more native plants in this instead of uh, still incorporating the traditional landscape plants as well but for i i guarantee for most people they liked it a lot better because they aren't looking through jaded eyes like mine where everything's got to be native so overall it was pretty cool i'm sorry i missed it this year with everything that was going on i just i couldn't fit it in but i i do want to throw a quick plug because we are very Mm -hmm. happy to be part of uh one of the major exhibits uh with nomad studios uh laura santine Mm -hmm. um and we supplied about 1,200 native uh, seedlings, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. I think it was silver maple, sweet gum, and tulip poplar. Yep. Uh, and those plants have been adopted after the the, the exhibit by the Tyler Arboretum. Uh, so I'm happy that we were able to have straight species native plants in a very artistic setting uh, mm-hmm. to make people just think a little differently about native plants and the fact that they were used to help reforest the tyler arboretum after the fact yeah, so. yeah. and that that was one of my favorite displays there also because we had a sign with our name on it yeah but um but that was they i guess they built like a japanese cloud garden so yeah. there's like little like moss spheres Koke, and then they had they're the, called kokodamas kokodamas and then the the uh seedlings were in them and kind of emerging out of, and it was yeah. multi-tiered and and really level it was a really cool display the other two i really liked um one was by refugia design which is a, great, an great outfit people. out yeah. of um, uh, Philadelphia. And they do a lot of work in like the Philadelphia suburbs and with, with homeowners. Uh, and they did a great job of showing off how you can use a primarily, if not all native plant material to build like what would be considered a gorgeous home garden. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a really cool old uh, Subaru in there, I think. And, oh, awesome. And then the other one, and I can't remember who designed it. I should have looked this up before, but I wasn't thinking about it. Um, but they had a, a pond and they showed how like all these different habitats work but they from a distance you're walking up and they have all these plants that were spray painted pink oh, and okay. i'm like i don't know why all this stuff and from a distance i can yeah. tell well that's phragmites i don't know why they have that in their display i definitely don't know why it's painted pink and i've heard other people saying oh look at that cool pink plant and i'm like oh that's not what yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's what they intended, and then as you get closer, well, the stuff that was painted that highlighter pink was to in um, identify issues with native habitats. Okay. The phragmites being issue being um, invasive invasive plants, and then they had another. They had some like dead trees that were, okay. and that was to reflect climate change. Okay. Um, but then they showed some native alternatives and what healthy habitat looked like. 
That's and awesome. incorporate it. So it was a really, really cool concept. But yeah, I was like, oh man, all these people that I'm walking next to are like, oh, look at those great pink grasses. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know if they know they're spray painted. This is, you know, and, uh, but you know what, that's all perception. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, um, I'll bring this up. Tom and I had done a talk for Xfinity and there's a picture that in Tom's uh, presentation that he had put together that highlighted a typical suburban uh, garden around mm -hmm. a house. Yep. And we were going to pick <laughs> it apart and we put it in. The comments were like, oh, that's what I aspire to attain. That is just beautiful. And we're like, oh, no. Like in our heads, we're like, oh, this this may be going badly. But once if, – if you explain it the right way and you have the right mentality – you know, we quickly, I'd say, converted just about everyone by the the end of that talk. Oh yeah, and um, and I'm trying to find because they just didn't know who, they, who they made just, that display. But yeah, and I had that same picture in a, a separate presentation I gave to a different group, and I was going through the dry run beforehand, and then I clicked to that slide, and the person's like, "Oh, that's so beautiful," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, I, I was really putting this up to say how bad it is." <laughs> you know, but well, once once you know they they realize the issues that you're pointing out you know it's amazing mm -hmm. it, it's just it's it's an education process and and people love to learn so once they learn you know they'll be able to make a difference as well so and and no matter how big or how small any difference is appreciated so oh yeah so what do you think you want to you want to get to the topic yeah let's do it okay so we decided since it is the tail end of pollinator week like last week was our pollinator masterclass um we just thought we would give some pollinator fun facts just to kind of leave you with a couple things that we were interested in learning um and we thought we'd share some of those with you oh yeah you definitely want, you want me to yeah go launch okay. leaves off all right so about one out of every three bites of food exists because of our pollinators so without pollinators doing their job a lot of the food here that we grow wouldn't it wouldn't exist so i'm sure many of you probably already know that but one out of every three is pretty pretty amazing yeah so, so insects such as bees wasps moths butterflies flies beetles and many more are the most common pollinators but as many as uh, 1500 species of vertebrates such as birds mammals and um oh i blanked on the other one there was another one i was going to add to that but i forgot okay. what it is but they also serve pollinators too and Hummingbirds are probably the most obvious ones, but then you have um, like perching birds, fruit bats, opossums, lemurs, and even, oh, a lizard, the yeah, gecko. A gecko. <laughs> you know, and that's, um, before I forget, most of these facts, I, I'd say like 90% of them are courtesy of the fish and wildlife. Yeah, they have uh, some great resources up there for, yeah. for pollinators. And um, yeah, so going back to the cooperative extension. Yeah. Lean on a lot of these these government organizations too because yeah. they have some really really good information. soil soil water conservation districts uh, fish and wildlife. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great information. Um, in the U.S., pollination produces nearly 20 billion worth of products annually. That's how important pollinators are, and specifically oh, yeah. our native pollinators. Uh, the largest pollinator in the world is the white ruffled lemur. Wow, I would not have guessed that. Me neither. Because I don't think that way. I don't think a that being a pollinator no, um, oh definitely not we think of bees and, and butterflies not lemurs i i think this is a, a great um st uh, stat or fun fact uh our native leaf cutter bee can do the pollination job of 20 non-native bees mm -hmm. um you know we sometimes we we talk about like the honeybee being a more efficient pollinator not always the case oh no it's yeah. definitely a, yeah. a less efficient pollinator yeah. than our your a lot of these native pollinators are specialized for certain types of, of flowers yeah. so they're going to be a lot more efficient and the honeybees will even rob flowers sometimes where yeah. um uh, my brother had a video of a honeybee that was actually chewing through the base of a flower to suck the nectar out instead of going into the flower and actually gathering pollen yeah um by accident so yeah the honeybees aren't all they're cracked up the beat no. and i was hope i wanted marcus gray to <laughs> say this too but monarchs really aren't that efficient of pollinators yeah. as well but um but they are very visible they're larger butterfly they're really beautiful and they migrate so they go through a variety of areas and you can really latch people onto that so uh so it wasn't until 1975 that fred how am I supposed to pronounce I'm that? I'm so name, happy friend? you got this one. Oh, God. And not me. <laughs> I, I don't. Urquart. 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 
I'm going yeah. with Urquhart. Ur- Urquhart. <laughs> <laughs> and a group of citizen scientists discovered that monarchs from the northern U.S. and southern Canada were migrating to Mexico. So we just oh, talked about that. So that's not that long that, ago. Yeah, that really. I, I, well, I guess I was alive the entire time they were known to migrate. So yeah, I didn't yeah. know any other. But not otherwise. me. I was five when yeah. they figured it out. So um, it takes about two to three generations for monarchs to make it. Uh, to North Iowa. There will be about two to three generations here over the summer. This It was Fish and Wildlife in Iowa that, mm-hmm. that presented these. Uh, over here in the summer and takes one generation to fly back to Mexico for the winter. So that was something I didn't know until we had it was either Marcus Gray or Kelly Gill on for the first time. Yeah, and I yeah. didn't realize that. That I, was something I learned on the podcast. And I'd heard that before and I just I guess I'd seen so many people think that and, and say that these monarchs migrate and they make it all the way to Canada and all the way back to Mexico that I just I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong and they don't, like, it's not multi-generations yeah. until Marcus said that and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, no, there's like, what, I think it was four or five different generations of that it took to make that entire migration. It's not just one butterfly going all the way up and all the way back. It's it's generation after generation doing yeah. that. So if you hadn't listened to that, we wanted to bring that fact up again because that was a, a fact that I was pleased to learn because I, I hadn't known that. Yeah. So uh, the next one is butterflies taste with their feet. When monarchs land on milkweed, they use sensory organs on their feet and heads to let them know that it's milkweed. I didn't know that. Which I don't know how they know that it's milkweed, but that's how they do it. I didn't know that. Um, There are over 100 species of Asclepius or milkweed in North America. That's not something I knew. I I think you knew from from providing seed for monarchs in the rough of Mm -hmm. how many different ones. You know, I'm familiar – with like four or five, but I didn't know there were yeah, there and were over 100. so twelve of them are native to New Jersey. There's okay. a ton of them out west, and that was what I learned with Monarchs in the Rough is, oh yeah, a lot of these ones that are native here aren't native out there, and um, and then it was figuring out, and they had things like uh, antelope horns, and I'm the one next one that popped in my mind was kind of like an uncomfortable name, so I'm not gonna bring that one up. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was okay. It was Harry Ball's milkweed. Oh, okay, and, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right i gotta get that out of my system being a little but kid no there. there's a, a we mentioned common milkweed butterfly weed and swamp milkweed uh showy milkweed world milkweed purple, purple milkweed. milkweed oh yeah. man there's so many yeah. um one of the ones that comes up a lot is uh, uh the tropical milkweed which is asclepius curasava okay which is an annual in our area but it's not recommended that you plant that because it can kind of keep the monarchs from migrating because yeah. they have a food source. Gotcha. And uh, and it's not native to the Mid Atlantic. Um, right. I think it's native. It might be native in Florida, but I'm not even sure if that's true. Wow. But it's like Southern Florida at the very most. It's probably Southern Florida where it's okay. native to. All right. Cool. And you get US. you get the last fact, and this one's courtesy of Dr. Douglas Talamy. All right. Oh, that's on the next page. So oh. the top plant host for lepidoptera in the northeast is quercus alba yeah so and that because of that fact many of our guests have chosen white oak Mm -hmm. as their favorite uh native plant so uh and it's it's probably not what most people think of you think of you know we we talked about habitat you know people think of flowers and it's not necessarily always the case how important those are um one of the things going back to I saw it on Instagram, but I think it was originated on TikTok, was North Creek Nurseries had an awesome post the other day where uh, it was, um, they zoomed in, I think it was on a white oak leaf, and it shows all the holes chewed in it. It was like, oh, we need to take care of, uh, or need an easy solution to take care of these, all these pesky insects eating your plants. And then it was like, take a step back, and then take another one. And then from a distance, you don't even see the holes. And that was the whole point is, this is part of the food chain. Yeah, That tree is supposed to be eaten. Um, there are now, unfortunately, invasive insects and, and insects that aren't native here that can decimate these things, like emerald ash borer will bore into ash trees and kill the ash tree. Mm-hmm. Um, you have other insects. Now, there's uh, a lot of our oaks are actually dying from a bunch of different things, and they're not even quite sure how some of it's being transmitted, but there's some hunches that it might be insects as well. There are so many. Asian so, longhorn beetle, emerald ash borer, yep. spotted lanternfly, they just keep going on and on and on. Yeah. So, so it's um it's unfortunate we have those issues but we need to get through not just our minds like most of you probably have it through your mind already but a lot of our neighbors minds that yeah there's supposed to be holes in the leaves that means it's doing its job exactly <laughs> it's, the, it's the bottom it's, of the it's food supporting chain. The, yeah it's supporting the rest of us so yeah if things aren't eating it that's a problem that's yeah. a, a big problem so very true yeah so we've we managed to get through this 
this episode pretty good. We're actually down to the pod deck. Like I said, we're on the quest to make the perfect native plant we, podcast. We I think we might have come pretty close to that. Yeah, we're pretty. You know, we we're keeping it tight. We're keeping it tight yep, today. Yep. So wait, I'm wondering if I need to come up with a pod deck jingle. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's that's what's going through my head. All right, so I'm gonna go through. Let's see and try to pick one. Five things I am excited about right now. So instead of it, it's the opposite of I'm not one to complain. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I'm geared for something like that. All right. Maybe we could do five things combined. Yeah. Maybe we could <laughs> Yeah, we are very excited people. So <laughs> no. I, I would say the first one, as I mentioned in the start of the show, I was really excited, I guess, by two things. One, that we're starting TikTok. It's a way to reach that younger generation, um, even younger than me, that um, that – I think has a really, even though they might not show it, has a really strong interest in nature. They might just not experience nature as much as, um, as what I would say my generation yeah. was. Where, like, I I feel like I'm one of the the last that we went outside and played until it was time for dinner, and then it was like we literally had a bell on the front of our house and we would be somewhere out on the nursery at our friend's house and we'd listen for the bell and that meant we had to come home yeah. and um and that's definitely not the case anymore it's uh you're yeah. it seems like kids are much more um confined in where they're yeah. allowed to play uh yeah. and and if they want to play outside but i think yeah. a lot of a lot of at least the younger folks that i've gotten to talk to recently are super interested in the the outdoors and how flowers work and how yeah. plants work and how insects work it just doesn't seem like they have that that base experience from growing up where yeah. they were doing that stuff like like you or i might have yeah been. but if we can reach a larger audience in that respect and spread the word mm -hmm. i'm all for it and i'm excited about that um i'm excited and i know we spent a lot of time talking about this at the beginning I'm, i am excited about the t-shirts and the the, the fact that we've already, without promoting it, have been able to raise that much money mm -hmm. for nonprofit organizations to do some good and and give back that way because it just it, it just makes me feel good that we're not just talking about it. Yeah. We're we're making a difference in that way too. I mean, we're making a difference by talking about it, but we're putting our money where our mouths are. So I'm excited about One that. One of the things that I've really been excited about, and last night was a highlight of it, was um was in, well, in New Jersey, a lot of our COVID restrictions are lifted. I think yeah. uh, the majority of our population is is vaccinated, and um, so there's the mass mandates are gone. The the six foot, um, what's it called? Six foot distance social distancing yeah. is is gone. It's, or at least it's rec it's only recommended if you haven't been vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, but let just getting out and kind of living life like it was beforehand is uh, th things that we took for granted before. Uh, I don't take for granted, and we had a, a nurse, New Jersey nursing landscape event at our our seed farm last night, and uh, and there was like 25, 30 people there, and it was awesome just to have like people around, and everyone still they're staying a little bit further away than yeah. they used to. You didn't have any like close talkers, which is a good thing. You don't yeah, have that yeah. person who's like yeah. <laughs> like right in your face <laughs> talking yeah. to you anymore. But um, but just to be able to stand around, enjoy like the the, the evening in outside in this in native like native yeah. uh, wildflower garden and be around other people who are passionate about that kind of thing was really really fun awesome. and i'm looking forward to having a whole summer ahead of Doing that it. so uh on a personal note one thing i'm excited about was last year um i planted 20 shrubs and plants at agatha's house uh to start all native all native plants a uh, hundred percent survival and we're getting ready you know at the clethra is just about to bloom uh for the first time in the yard so it's i'm excited to kind of watch agatha's excitement as she gets to learn some of these plants and and gets to see the bloom so we have a lot of things that are just getting ready to to open up and it's it's exciting like to, oh, to yeah. see someone else yeah. experience that um and be able to share that <clears throat> so yeah and that actually brings me is a, a almost continuation of that thought yeah. is just seeing our seed farms and even our greenhouses and uh, my home garden just start to light up it's like it's l literally about to, to boom open right now yeah. and it's um there's so many things that are about to to flower yeah. and i'm i'm waiting with bated breath for that to happen because yeah. that's i we work uh, my wife and i we work really hard on our home garden and uh my fault we we didn't pick the best plant species yeah. for um for early spring bloom time yeah. so uh right now is when it like 
it's green it looks weedy it looks just big from the untrained eye mm. i'm looking I'm like this is awesome it looks like wild prairie-ish yeah um we need some more grasses we need that kind of stuff but it's like within the next week or two is when people from the road start to say oh wow this is really cool and yeah. uh, right now there's people who give us like the stink eye while they're driving by saying, oh, what are yeah. you doing why, why don't you yeah. <laughs> why don't you weed whack all that <laughs> but next week is when it will be then it's like you have people saying oh that's really awesome where can i get that flower yeah. where can i get this where can i get yeah. that so uh, you know and that's the, we actually hit our five you know yeah. that was our five things but i do want to mention because i was thinking about it i i was very proud of the fact that in our facebook group someone had commented that they were so inspired by the pollinator masterclass that they went out and bought a, a bunch oh, of yeah. more native plants. Yeah. So uh, the fact that we just keep adding to that and and making it larger it just made me feel like we, we've mm -hmm. done our job. Yep. So yep, exactly. there you go. We gave you five and a bonus one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And I think that's it. I think we, we, we've we kept it uh, lean and mean this yeah, episode. Yeah, that was a good one. That's what we – when we started these Buzz episodes, uh, this was kind of what we strived for. Yes. It's kind of like – packed with info a little bit of fun and uh and we did that today we, we, we did that we sometimes we would go a little long but yeah. today not today not so much not today so with that we are wrapped up thank you for joining us we hope you'd enjoy listening to this buzz ep episode of native plants healthy planet as always thank you for listening uh we really appreciate it uh we're giving a huge thank you to rj comer for our buzz theme music which we love make sure you stream or buy rj's music on itunes spotify wherever you get your music Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, uh, YouTube at Pinelands Nursery, and TikTok at Pinelands Nursery. I think it's just at Pinelands Nursery. Pinelands Nursery. Okay. Uh, uh, keep using the question and comment line. Thank you, Michelle, for calling today. Call us at 215 346 6189. Again, 215 three four six six one eight nine ask a question leave a comment we'll play it on a future episode of the buzz and we'll answer it or we'll we'll comment on it um and the facebook group the native plants healthy planet facebook group great interaction this week for pollinator week um if you're not a member join and and be part of the conversation yeah. Um, as always, you can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcast. Uh, make sure when you're there, do us a favor, subscribe, leave us a review. We haven't gotten a review in a while. And that no, hurts, we that really hurts haven't. My heart. That, that, Things that, I'm not excited about. I've been not getting reviews. I've been looking like every other day just yeah. to see. Things we I'm excited one. for our next review. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there you go. So, like I said, when you're there, subscribe, leave a review. And uh, the best thing you can do to help us out, and, and not help us out, help us as in everyone out, is sharing this with a friend because that's just going to get one more person on this train and using native plants uh, for whatever they, they choose to do with. Exactly, exactly. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, we now have shirts and soon-to-be mugs and soon-to-be yoga pants. So visit our <laughs> store. Go to www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. There is a banner at the top that says t-shirts if you click that it'll take you to our store and as always um uh all the profits we aren't yeah. we aren't making any money off of this it's all going directly back to all these nonprofit organizations that we get yeah. to have on that are doing amazing work yeah. and um and, and this is our way to give back and you're so. spreading the message oh you're yeah spreading the message at the same mm -hmm. time you're 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 helping the cause spreading the message and you get a cool t-shirt yeah so yeah. so uh friend i yes. think you have a secret today is a secret or a story it can be a story like yours yeah. was really a story yeah mine so was a story. this is non-industry related i was trying to think i'm like oh what can i share so and i know you've heard this before and if you've seen pictures of me you won't be surprised but i've actually broken my nose seven times i didn't know it was seven i knew you'd seven, broken it but. seven times yes um you could tell from the looks of it it, from the looks of it, you would think I've broken my forehead seven times with how big, <laughs> with how big it is. But yeah, it's I. You know, sometimes I, I. It takes me a while to think, but I. The first time I broke it was. I was eight years old and I was playing baseball and I was pretending to be catcher and we were playing with like a twelve-year-old who was mm -hmm. swinging a wooden bat and on a backswing, caught me right across the nose, and I broke it in gymnastics, <laughs> as a kid. In a bicycle accident where I was trying to cut across a yard and I hit a gutter that was covered with with leaves mm -hmm. and it shot me off the bike and I broke my nose. I was punched. Broke it playing soccer. Mm -hmm. 
broke it playing street hockey. I got hit with a backswing from a slap shot in a in a uh, drained out pool. <laughs> <laughs> and the <laughs> and the last one was those all happened by the time I was sixteen. The first okay, six, yeah, yeah. and then the last one was when my youngest son Cole was probably like about a year old or two years old. Mm. I was holding him and trying to start a propane grill mm. and I'm clicking it and nothing's happening and I bent down while I was holding him and I to check to see if the propane was on yeah. and it was and while I was bending down I clicked it again uh-huh. so you can imagine the propane fireball yeah oh yeah oh, as I, <laughs> so, that, speaking that, which I just did that the other day yeah. just not thinking I'm like oh this is yeah it's not on so, yeah and then <laughs> you, you're clicking for five minutes and then it catches and it's like the mushroom cloud yeah. of propane <laughs> well I I like had cold to the right side of me and i like kind of like turned real fast to shield him from mm-hmm. it and as i moved forward he moved forward and yeah. i broke my nose off of his forehead oh gosh and it was so loud between the boom and the break that my other son came running around the side of the house and he was like what was that <laughs> you know and I, cole's crying i had to put him down and yeah. i actually reset my nose myself but yeah. i have a horrible sense of smell from having it broken so many times and mm. I could smell for like a week while it was oh, no like it, yeah. it was overwhelming like I'm like I could smell my soap has a scent like my <laughs> sh- like everything it was so overwhelming yeah. so not yeah. the first time no I, I I literally did that last week and it was just I started the grill went inside and I was making a, a grilled pizza yeah thanks Blaine and um <laughs> went back outside to go put it on I'm like oh crap it didn't actually light and I, I was looking through the indicator to see yeah. is it lit or not and I'm like oh it didn't light and I just without thinking just hit the button to light it and not thinking oh this has been on for 10 minutes and oh, where'd that propane go yeah. and uh, and then for like the next <laughs> next hour I kept smelling like something like a little bit burned and I'm like what the heck's burned <laughs> my face burned it, it was but it didn't look burned yeah and uh, yeah so that was fun yeah I burned my eyelashes off that was... so now the other interesting part real quick about the the nose my parents never took me to the doctor for any of them. Mm-hmm. now i know they broke because i reset you, you get to the point where you learn to just reset it yeah. <laughs> yourself but they never went to the doctor hmm. i actually broke my wrist once yeah. and i didn't go to the doctor yeah. it was a different before. era it, it was, was a different my parents didn't have the money you know we grew up poor yep. my parents didn't have the money and i broke my wrist playing baseball i was 12 and i dove for a line drive and the ball hit my wrist and actually like you could hear everyone heard it mm-hmm. and my parents were like, listen, we don't really have the money to take you to the hospital. And, and you know, baseball playoffs or are, are all-stars are coming up. And you're, not, you're 12 years old. It's yeah. the Little League World Series. Like, you don't want to miss that. So we just wrapped it up, and I played. I got an oversized glove <laughs> to go over <laughs> the the wrap, and I, I played the rest of the season. But my wrist is kind of – it's gotten better, but for a long time, like, I couldn't play, like, video games. Mm-hmm. or. Yep. Fortunately, it's not my dominant hand. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's my little my little story. There All right, go. well, good good secret. <laughs> there, for yeah. what it's worth, I didn't know what else to talk about. So with that, I didn't have a good story. Thank you, everyone. I'm Tom, and I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next time. We'll have a meet the guest episode. I don't think we have it hammered down yet. Who it is yet? Oh yeah, I thought you were. Doing that. Uh, <laughs> I meant to ask. Am no. I supposed to book this person? Or no. are you gonna oh, there you go. Person? We do so. not have it confirmed yet, <laughs> but. But by the time you hear it, it will be confirmed. So uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.